This is part two of the Jane Austen conversation that I had with my wife and Megan Waterman. Um, so if you haven't listened to the first episode, you'd probably, you probably, I mean, it's not that big a deal. You can jump in, but, um, we are picking right back up literally in the middle of the conversation. So hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. Thank you so much for checking us out. This show is all about learning more about the authors that have inspired us and diving into the stories that they not only created, but lived as well. So join myself, Tyler Clausen, and my co-host, Hannah Ray Lambert, as we explore the worlds that live just out of reach. So there's Wickham, right? Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. like he's like the bad guy of Pride and Prejudice. Spoiler alert, it's only 200 years old. <laughs> and uh, and he's the guy that Lizzie's like, it's the love triangle situation. It's not even really a love triangle. That's why I'm okay with it. But she's kind of into him. And at a party, uh, they're all talking and Wickham's there and he's a younger guy. And this old guy just comes out of nowhere. He's just like, what do you say, Wickham? <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Just... What do you say, Wickham? He'll, he'll, he'll say Wickham really ridiculous, Wickham. too. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. But no, like, so the only line that I know she wrote from the from the movies that I've seen that I really, really like is uh, when Mr. Knightley's confessing his love to Emma in the book, Emma, oh, yeah. um, where he says, uh, I... Something to the effect of like, you know, I, I can't even tell you how much I loved yeah, you. He says, um, if I loved you like, less, I could probably I might talk, be about able to talk about it more. talk about it more. Yeah. That's yeah, one of my favorites, too. Less, I could probably talk about it more. Oh, he's so overwhelmed with yeah, cause emotions. Yeah, because he doesn't mm-hmm. talk about stuff either. He's, he's wait, shy wait, wait. and bookish. Is that your favorite line? Because that's how you feel about Rebecca. No, I tell Becca how oh, much I wow, love her all the time. Oh, wow, he doesn't feel that way. Wow. I... I'm the opposite of nightly. I I over project my love. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my I mean my, it's not. That's probably my favorite. Like I know that that's an actual Jane Austen line, but like there's a, a version of Emma where uh, Mr. Elton is taking the the picture to London as a favor to uh, Emma, and he's <laughs> yeah. getting on his horse. And Mr. Knightley's just watching him from the window, and he's just like, that man is so full of himself, I can scarce believe he stays on that horse. (laughs) And Becca can attest, I laughed so hard when I heard that line. Yeah, that's that's an add-on. Yeah, I figured that's not an actual Austin line, so that's why it's not, like, my number one. But if she had thought of it, she would have included it. it. That's just witty enough to have been. It didn't seem like outside of of his, her his character and her yeah. character yeah. yeah so so pride and prejudice is about you know a, a girl who gets the wrong impression of a guy and for the entire book hates him to death uh-huh. uh he then proposes to her <laughs> and doesn't go well she tells him what's up and then later she realizes how good of a person he really is changes her mind and uh realizes that she does love him uh, also, he makes like two million dollars a year, so that's, that's not a bad <laughs> two million in today's money. Uh, it wasn't it like two million, Becca, or was it more? 
I can't remember. Yeah. Just a, doesn't it too much money? <laughs> two million. To so have. much. Two million total. I don't know that it's a year. I think I just looked it up and it he came does. actually came out to like it's like three hundred and something thousand dollars a year, which oh, okay. is still a lot. a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Especially back then when people didn't have that excess of um, money. Sense and Sensibility, her first book, is about um, two sisters mostly. Uh, there's three sisters, though. Two sisters, Marianne and Eleanor. Eleanor is the older. Um, and they're with their mom, and their dad dies, and their brother takes over the household and sends them packing to a cottage out in the middle of nowhere at mm-hmm. the coast. And they both have to deal with uh, the, you know, the struggle of living life as poor people now. They used to be rich and now they're poor. And um, all of the drama that comes with each of them falling in love with different guys and and all of that. Um, That one's a really good story. And I think the fact that she revised it for 15 years shows because it's it's a good story. (laughs) You know, I. uh, Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, you just realized you didn't have your headphones on. Yeah, sorry. joining us now. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, welcome to the podcast, Megan. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what's the next one that comes out? Um, so it's okay. Sense and Sensibility. Yeah. Then Pride and Prejudice. Did we ask Megan what her favorite? Oh, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Good. But, but we probably disagree on which movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll get into that in a, in a yeah. little bit. We got to get through the books first. I have an unpopular opinion on the <laughs> movies. Um, so let's see. I'm pretty she sure it's Mansfield Park, right? Yeah, Mansfield Park, and that sells out. Um, let's yeah, see. it was reprinted, wasn't it? It was reprinted um, again. And then in 1815, she publishes Emma, and I love the story behind the inscription oh, the, for Emma, the king yeah. or prince or whatever. The prince yeah. that uh, she she really dislikes Prince Charles. He's full of himself. <laughs> He's absolutely everything the opposite of what her her moral. Um, standing of how she's going to teach everybody to be a little more sensible and um, emotionally, which sense and sensibility is all about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he basically tells her, you know, oh, how wonderful that you're going to uh, dedicate. You can dedicate this book to me. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, he gives her permission, yeah. which is like, <laughs> yay for you. Kind of a subtle, uh, not very subtle way to say, you need to do this. You yeah. will do this. Yeah. And she does, but she didn't want to. Right. Yeah, she didn't really have a choice, I don't think. Yeah. (laughs) I feel, when I read the inscription, I felt like it's one of those um, deep bows. You know, like when somebody bows in movies and stuff, and it's like a deep bow that's almost (laughs) mocking? Like Darcy does that a few times in the (laughs) movie. Yeah. So so Mansfield Park comes out, and it's it's actually a lot of people didn't um, really care about it that much it does sell out though when it's first but like the the critics weren't super like super hyped like they were were always the worst judge sure for everything exactly sure okay yeah it's all about the people people are the ones buying it not the few critics exactly (laughs) (laughs) um and then emma comes out emma was supposed to be her masterpiece I love personally. I, I love Emma. It's so funny. I feel like Emma's my second after Pride and Prejudice. 
Prejudice. Yeah. I have, a, I have a hard time after Pride and Prejudice. Like, it'll go by what I'm reading. I'll be <laughs> reading it, and I'll right. be like, this is my favorite after Pride <laughs> and Prejudice. And then I'll read another one and be like, no, this is my second favorite. <laughs> I do really like Fanny, though, Price from Mansfield Park. Yeah, she's such a decent person. Like, she puts she, up with so much, and... She she irritates me a little bit sometimes because she is so she's quite, so mousy. Yeah, she's not quite as like strong you female get, character like Elizabeth Bennett. You get but. the feeling that she's kind of sickly though. So yeah, it kind of makes sense a little bit. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I get from reading it. She kind of maybe off. and she's maybe, always having headaches. She's always exhausted. True. She goes like on a walk and then she's like. On death's door, basically. I wonder if Jane <laughs> knocked up, as they say. Knocked up. No, wait. Not knocked up. Uh, that means something different. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was like, she just goes book, for a walk. I don't know. I just went for a walk. <laughs> in the book, it says she's knocked up. Uh-huh. And sometimes it says she's fagged, because that's short <laughs> for fatigue. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this girl's knocked up and fagged. <laughs> Fanny Price is getting it. Poor <laughs> Fanny. I wonder if Jane herself was starting to not feel well yeah, at that, that season of her life and why she started writing that. Mm. Yeah. I definitely get that about Fanny, though. She is a little bit too mousy and. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It was right after Emma, too, the year after Emma's published, that her brother finally is able to purchase uh, um, Catherine or Susan or all the different names for that book uh, back from the original publisher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at some point she just went to her, went to them and like, look, I'm Jane motherfucking Austin. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just how she said it. Yeah. No, what she said is I'm a lady. <laughs> <laughs> She's mad. Yeah. I don't yeah. think she went. I think no. it was her. That wasn't allowed. Right. Her brother went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's let's uh, let's move on. There's a few things that, I, man, I, there is so much that I want to talk about. So I'm trying to push through these. Not mm-hmm. that I don't want to talk about the books, but her life is really and and overall is, is stuff I want to talk about. So so she writes Emma, and then after that we have Northanger Abbey and Persuasion. Um, Northanger well, Abbey. Well, but she not during her lifetime. Mm-hmm. Right, she not dies. published, but she she's writing them. She's writing them. Yes. Um, I, yes, but she wrote Northanger Abbey, um, other than Sense and Sensibility, she wrote that over the longest period of time, mm-hmm. you know, with that sitting in limbo for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah, she was writing that earlier. And then mm-hmm. you have Persuasion being written towards the end of her life when she really is feeling super shitty. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I feel like, and this is just me, that like, having watched the movie so many times. What, Persuasion? Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I know you do. Um, that there's there's almost this sense of, like, a wasted life. This this character almost has a wasted life. And she the choices that she's made, whether she was persuaded or not, have led to her being at the end of her life almost. And But then, obviously, there's some hope with... Um, Colonel Weather Rutherford Wentworth. <laughs> I, um, I honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, I think Persuasion is my second favorite. 
Okay. But that's right now. Ask me yeah. next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I just, I saw that, and I could totally believe that as she was writing it, she was dealing with the existential crisis of, like, is my life good? You know, I've been a spinster this whole time following my my passions and obsessions and and all this like is it good and and you can kind of at least in the movie i feel like you can see that i don't know what the book is like so i'm looking at you too because i haven't read the book it's been a really long time since i read persuasion similar to the movie is it (laughs) um so those are her big six they are um, oh, just and so just so you guys quick overview. Emma is about a, a girl who is a matchmaker. She's like 21 years old in the books. She's like the super richest chick in An the unofficial match. Right. Uh, she's right. the super richest chick in the richest. area. And um, she loves to get into other people's lives and, and mess with them. But in a good way. But then she messes things up a little too much in a few ways. And then she sees herself kind of messing up. And so she has to write herself and. In that, her 16 years elder best friend confesses his love for her. Hey, better than her cousin. And in his confession, talks about how he held her as a baby. Weird. (laughs) Just going to throw that one out there. Blood cousins. (laughs) (laughs) Also, they remade that into a movie called Clueless. What? Yeah, Clueless. Remember Clueless the, is, remember is the based show Clueless? They did not a movie. The, not, yeah, not the show, but the no, movie is. I was right? saying the show Clueless. I think the show was based off the movie. I know, but she would probably know the show. <laughs> no, I know the movie. You yeah. know the movie? What? You didn't yeah. know that? It's loosely based. My mind course. is blown. We're now you need to watch to, it we're again. We're going to have to go watch like, it. You know what, Becca? We should go home and watch that tonight. No, I really want to watch Persuasion. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Um, so then you have uh, Northanger Abbey, which, uh, to be honest, is one of my favorites of, of her stories um, because the character is so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. She's a young girl who's obsessed with gothic stories. Mm-hmm. She gets one chance to go out into the world and see it and experience it and it starts to not be the romantic gothic story that she thought it was going to be uh and uh, along the way she meets uh, a brother and a sister who are genuinely the best characters in all of jane austen's books in my opinion and uh and she ends up going with them to their abbey the north anger abbey uh-huh. and she thinks it's haunted and that leads to some misunderstandings that happen uh and eventually uh, the the brother ends up confessing his love to her and gives up his entire inheritance to be with her. It's interesting that she tried that gothic style at the ver- there at the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was then you move into the Victorian era, right? And mm-hmm. they're they're really into the gothic story I, with Wuthering Heights. Yeah, and- I had read though that she had liked reading gothic novels, so I think there's a little bit of that influence. Maybe she always kind of wanted to do something like to try that. something like sure. that, but yeah. it's kind of you know in her own. Theme. Yeah. So it's a little different. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Persuasion is about um, a 27-year-old who... So that's this is the oldest character in so her when, books. So when did we get married? How old were we? We were 25. We were 27. We've been married for four and a half years. Aren't we 27? We're 30. Or are we 26? We were like 25 and a half. Wow, we were almost... 
You were very close to 27. (laughs) We should have just given up, honestly. Yeah. If I hadn't been courting you for eight years prior. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, uh, so so the oldest of Jane Austen's main characters, um, she had she had made the decision to call off her engagement with a very um i don't know if he's rich is he rich in in this no one? he was not at the time he at the poor. time he was not rich yes. and so his family was like yo you need to dump this dude he is a piece of trash he fights for us in the navy and that's it so just dump him he wasn't good enough and so then he leaves and she has to live with the regret of of never falling in love again and uh, she hates her family, and then she he slowly starts coming back into her life, and bam, turns out he's a hero. Bam, turns out he's rich. Bam, he's got a six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> they all came at the same time? Yeah, the, he just inherited all of those. <laughs> and they all walk around rooms and circles drinking gross water and talking and then she falls in love with him again. Or rather, she still loves him. And then she, she finds out that he loves her. Uh, I think she always loved him. Yeah. Well, she and that's one of the lines. That's one of the big lines is she says, I let it be known that I have loved the longest. Mm-hmm. And he. Or that women. Yeah. Love the, love the longest when all hope is lost. And then he he ends up telling her, like, look, I've loved you still to this day. And then the movie did a really good job, except for the part where they make the actress exhaust herself. It's like running all over England. All of Bath. She's, she goes to this door. Hey, is he here? No, he just went this way. Is he here? She's got to go, go run to Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and then they confess their love to each other, kiss, and do it right there on the streets. Regency style. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's this has been Tyler Clausen's Jane Austen. I don't want to see Tyler's version of a Jane Austen no. movie. It sounds dirty. It is I don't think her truth family universally acknowledged that a man in what is it with great wealth wants to do it. Bounch go wow wow. No, no, he wants to find a wife. Yeah. He wants, would yeah. a gentleman would not bow chicka wow wow. <laughs> We're gonna yeah. talk about that in a little bit. So Stop being such a wickham. So oh. by the, <laughs> wow. Um, so by the time Persuasion and Northanger Abbey come out, she is dead. Yes. Let's talk about that. How old was she when she died? She was. I just lost my notes. Forty six. She was, was she four. Forty two. Uh, let's see. Forty one. Oh, so close. She publishes them at 40, and then July 1817, she dies after a brief illness, is what mm. I have. I don't know a lot about her illness. I think that you had done a little more research on that. Rebecca. Yeah, they, they just saying, said that from maybe her letters and what they could kind of put together, it sounded like Addison's. Yeah. Some people think uh, breast cancer. Well, yeah, that that could have been, but I don't think that was as common back then. Well, yeah. both her her cousin and aunt had it. Oh, okay. Her cousin that got married to her brother, mm-hmm. she died of it as well. Hmm. I <clears> guess we'll never blood know. cousins. It's I'm gonna make a T-shirt now. Blood cousins by Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait 
like to make this shirt. It's no, going to be so good. I know I'm going to get it, and I'm done for you. I don't care. You think I wear my Lewis and, or my uh, little Lovecraft sweatshirt because I want people to know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Yeah. Do I get a t-shirt out of doing this podcast? You get a Blood Cousins no. t-shirt. I don't want a blood. I want a nice one. Oh, okay. And she's going to direct the design. Mm-hmm. Okay. You and I will sit down and do a t-shirt, and then people can choose on Instagram which t-shirt no, I, should we do. I'll pick. Yeah. I think she should pick. And then also, I mean, you get, and then, you get and then the t-shirt. And I'll be like, t-shirt. no, you are all wrong. I want this one. <laughs> you get the t-shirt no matter what. But what are what are what are Patreon stores going to carry? I think I think I know what's best for them. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to marriage. So back to my nerdy timeline. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're talking about someone's death, and we're laughing about t-shirts. t-shirts. So she dies. Then uh, her brother has Northanger Abbey and Persuasion published, and he finally identifies her for the first time as the author of bum, these novels. Bum, bum. Uh, officially, it was my sister. Officially, officially. Uh, up, up until then, people had started. People, talking. I think they knew. They must have for yeah. her to have talked to the prince. And, mm. yeah. yeah. So they knew who she was, but then after she dies, the sales die off. Mm-hmm. Nobody's buying her books anymore, and the publisher decides that they're a waste of space, and he destroys all the remaining copies what? in 1820. That's kind of like the opposite of what happens anymore. Yeah. Yep. That's nuts. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he just he destroys them, and it's not until 1832, so however many years later, much later, that um, a Richard Bentley purchases the rights to all. Smart man. All of the books, <laughs> <laughs> and he publishes them as a collected works. Yeah, um, and they have not ever been out of print again since then. You know, it's it's interesting because that does happen quite a bit, actually, and not just with books, with with like artists, painters, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll have an entire collection by one person that's just stored away, and nobody knows about it. But then there's like that, that one person who's been looking for it or knows about it. It happened with Lovecraft. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't remember who it was, but somebody was, they basically, they kept the copyright for Lovecraft and then published them all. And then just kind of, I mean, he made tons of money off of it because Lovecraft got popular. I think the same thing, and I am so sorry, but I think it's either Monet or... The other one that's like Monet but pronounced differently, or Rembrandt. Rembrandt. I can't remember. I don't know anything about these authors or these artists. Those are all painters, and there's it's a. I think it's a Dutch painter. It's a Dutch painter who does really cool colors, like really cool blues and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they, um, Amy looks worried out there. Uh, And they and their entire collected. (laughs) <laughs> Their entire collected work was stored away until one person was like, "No, we need to get this out in the world." So that's it's it's scary, isn't yeah. it? Scary to think about somebody's entire life's work just disappearing. Yeah. Until just that right person, like everything that you've ever done. <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's lucky that she was you know popular before. So yeah, her works were still out there; they just weren't. And lucky that the greatest propaganda machine in the world w- was on her side. Am I right, Megan? Am I right? The greatest propag- pr- propaganda machine. Yes. What is this? 
nothing bad about Jane Austen came out after her death. Oh, thank you. I was trying to segue for you there. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't catch it. Um, no, so... Wait, wait. This, we're we're going to get into some deep stuff here that Megan is super excited about. So we got to have like... <laughs> Megan's Corner. This just in. <laughs> I think that her family scrubbed out some great juicy stuff about her life. And it kills me. I want to know what she was really like. So What we, she was actually like. Yeah, what, she actually, what was Jane Austen actually like? Um... So they think that in her lifetime, she probably wrote about 3,000 letters. Um, 3,000 letters? They think that in her life, she probably (coughs) wrote about 3,000 letters, but only 161 letters have survived. Wow. Wow. That's Um, that's (laughs) 0.5%. Which is still a lot of letters, really. No, wait. That's 5%. (laughs) I did my math wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure there aren't 161 letters floating out round out there that I've written in my life. So I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> I've written like two letters my entire life. So. I'm not gonna lie, I have literally never shipped a letter off in I, the mail. What? Ever. I had to write so many letters in school. Like I had to know how to write to a magazine, yes. like a business letter. I don't know if anybody else had to do that. But. They you made don't us send do lots snail of weird mail stuff. anymore. I have uh. literally never sent. A letter in the postmail. I think I've sent packages. Postcards? Nope. There's literally like groups that people send uh, postcards to each other from all over the world. I'm not part of any of those or anything. (laughs) 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 I'm not a nerd. Okay. Um, So she wrote most of them to her sister Cassandra, Mm -hmm. which I don't know when she needed to write to her sister since they were mostly together their whole lives but i mean they would they would exchange a lot of uh times when they would be um when they were living in bath some they would go to other places to take care of other family members and stuff like that's true they they, must they didn't like to be apart yeah yeah they probably and then maybe they're just writing their thoughts down too and yeah so let's see so in 1843 which would have been about 10 years after Richard Bentley had republished all of her works. Um, Cassandra burns most of the 3,000 letters. Which is insane. Yeah, she just burns her and she cuts pieces out. What was she cutting out? <laughs> what was so important that she needed to scrub? So they, her... <laughs> Me and Tom went and and then we went down to the, and we, some more. Can you believe that he, in my and we just la, went. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, so Cassandra says. <laughs> Cassandra, Cassandra, more like the U.S. government. And am I right? Redacting everything. So Big Brother says that <laughs> um, that she her her explanation is that she was concerned that she didn't want the younger that the younger nieces did not read any of Jane Austen's sometimes acid or forthright com- comments on neighbors or family members. So they, she was maybe a little more real in her letters mm. and, yeah. and didn't uh, try to sugarcoat anything. And so they didn't want to offend anyone by those, those getting out there. Um, 
And so the relatives in the family really wanted to um, portray her as good, quiet Aunt Jane, which mm. I think that we can all agree that by reading her works, she was not. not, not. None of her characters are good or, well, they're all good, but they're they're not quiet. They're witty. Mm. They're sassy. They, <gasps> they have a her lot to say. Her characters are like Aslan. Because he, he's, she's like, is he a tame lion? And he's like, no, no. but he is a good lion. <laughs> They're not tame women, but they are good women. They are good women. Well, and that's what she wanted. I th- She wanted to use her works to teach this hoity-toity upper society mm-hmm. that to how to be good, like yeah. really good. Yeah. Not, not this rules of society, but like how to really be a good person. Right. And to think about things, mm-hmm. not just jump into marriages. To have some sense and sensibility. <gasps> and, not, and not to have pride and prejudice. Ooh. Yeah, to have Emma. Wait. That doesn't work. Nope. It stopped working after that <laughs> one. To have persuade. Nope. Nope. <laughs> to persuade them to have sense and sensibility and pride and, and not pride and prejudice. To, mm-hmm. to go visit North Thinger Abbey in <laughs> Madison Square, wow, whatever the other one is. Wow, this is a dumb tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to make this a two-part episode. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Yeah. Because it's pretty long. long. And I like this. This is a fun, chill conversation. So I can just go. <laughs> no. That doesn't make up for the last hour and a half of recording. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So, wow. So, whitewashing. Um. That is interesting. Because, like... I, I don't know. There's so much that you can tell from an author through their works. Mm-hmm. So why even try to mitigate that at all? It was so important th- at that time. Yeah. I think it's just like people back then, they had this sense of honor and, you know, you have to appear mm. a certain way pub- yeah. publicly. And yeah. Especially with your family, too. There might be some... Even if you think a certain way of your family, you might not want them to know because in a way you still sure. care. There's, sure. There's one thing to be worried that somebody thinks that about you. Another thing to see. Yes. That they, <laughs> that they do think that about you. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk. Um, I've got I've got two more things I want to go over. I want to go over your, your guys' basic review of Jane Austen. Life, ten works, out of ten. movies. Let's hear about the movies that you like and, and why you watch them and, and all that. The ones you don't like. Let's talk about that right now and then I'm going to ask some super fun questions. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. Uh, so, so, Megan, let's start with you because my wife is pointing at you very, and looking at me like, don't <laughs> fucking ask don't me to me go first. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, so, I'm shy. Megan, what's your ultimate review of everything that's come from Jane Austen? Um, gosh, that's that's a really big wow. open like question. Okay, I'll go okay, first. Let's go. I'll e- go. Why first. don't you go easier? Yeah. First. No, I'll go first. Give you guys some time. Maybe give you some uh, some jumping points. My big one is that she she is super inspiring to me for for a few different reasons. The biggest one is that she didn't get her first published. Uh, published work until she was like 35 years old right mm-hmm. and that's big for me because I'm 30 and I still don't have anything published 
<laughs> and it's one of those things of like, hey, if Jane Austen wasn't 30, then I'm not, you know, I'm going to catch up to her. But on top of that, she had she had worked on Sense and Sensibility for so long before it was published for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And she revised it and reworked it and revised it. And that is exactly what I'm going through right now with my first book is I'm reworking it and I'm really questioning it. And I'm like, I'm at a place where I'm like, man, do I want to keep working on this? Do I want to give up and try something new? Do I need to just just start over with this one? Like, I'm really frustrated with how long it's taking. But then you read about someone like this and and she she just persevered. She just mm-hmm. worked on it. And, and she was that type of person that wanted to perfect this this piece. And then when she published it, she self-published it. It was a self-published book Mm -hmm. because it was a vanity press that was like, hey, we'll publish it. We'll get it printed. But you got to pay us money to make sure that it's it's done the right way. So she had to go to her brother and ask for money to front so that she could try, hopefully make it back. And I mean, that's just so inspiring today because you've got that exact same situation you've got. Patreons, you've got Kickstarters, Indiegogos, and all these different websites where you can ask people for money, hoping that you can make that back mm-hmm. with the project that you have. And and I absolutely adore that one of the greatest authors that we know of today started out self-publishing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> as well, I love looking into the history of the time. You've got the Napoleonic Wars, and that's one of the reasons why Mansfield Park didn't do as well, because there was a huge upheaval in the wars at that time. Um, and so a lot of people were really distracted by fighting and, and what the country was going through. Um, but on top of that, the, the history of the novel was really interesting to get into with her, because to me, I just assumed, you know, we've had novels since people started drawing on caves like novels have always been around the ancient egyptians they read novels but no they didn't like novels were not really a thing until the early like early to middle 1700s mm-hmm. so when jane austen started as a novelist when she started writing it was a new thing it was a new form of writing a new genre and that floored me because not only is she a self-published author, she is someone who was she read books and that's how she learned how to do it. She wasn't friends with other authors. She wasn't in writing clubs. She wasn't doing all this other stuff and, and learning how to do it. She just read books and she got better because she went, oh, I should write like this or I should not write like this. I should do better than this. And she had all of her opinions on how to write well. And I, I think that that's super cool um, and really interesting. I think that in today's age, we have things like that, like YouTube and TikTok that your daughter's <laughs> currently doing, you know, out <laughs> yeah. there dancing. Like you've got these <laughs> mediums and things that people can get really good at, but they're still new mm-hmm. and you work at it and perfect it. And so I think in today's age, Jane Austen would have been like a YouTuber. I'm not even joking. I, that's not a joke. I think she would have, who like sh- her mindset would have been mm-hmm. into that. Yeah, I agree. Real quick here, I just wanted to take a break, and I wanted to point you toward 
another great podcast, one that I've been listening to and really been enjoying. It's highly cathartic, at least for me, and it's entertaining as hell. It's called Confessions of Retail, All the Tea. Lexi and Amy talked about their experiences, their own experiences in customer service every single week. And then they share the stories of people from all over the world. I've noticed a lot of people from like Europe and stuff. Um, And then they also read crazy stories in the news, which is always fun. It's seriously funny. And if you have worked in the customer service or retail industry, then it's a guarantee that you will resonate with this and, and you'll enjoy it. And if you haven't ever worked in the industry, then you should listen and take notes. Uh, so here's a little clip from them. Oh, hi. Didn't hear you there. This is Amy. And Lexi. And we're coming at you from Confessions of Retail. All the tea. If you're a retail employee like us, then you know that there are some crazy off-the-wall things that happen in your line of work. Join us every Wednesday while we spill all this hot confessional tea on the line of work known as retail. Everything from our own experiences to listener-submitted stories. And let me tell you, there are some crazy things that happen that even we can hardly believe. I know, right? You can find us on any major podcast directory. You can join us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter. And if you have hot tea to spill, you can send it our way to confessionsofretailallthetea at gmail.com. We will see you in the confessional booth. So that was my super long-winded critique. I hope I gave you guys enough time to think about something. (laughs) Well, I was trying to listen to you. (laughs) (laughs) You guys don't listen to me. The audience does. Oh, well, I was listening. But but I do know what I want to say. It probably also has a lot to do with that I'm raising teenage daughters right now. But I, and so I, and it's Women's History Month right now. But yeah, it's just International Women's Day. And I, I spend a lot of time thinking about strong uh, female women yeah. and influences. And I, I really admire her ability at, at a time period when women were meant to. To be the good, quiet, <laughs> yeah, the good, quiet uh, wife at home, and you know, you crochet your your little pillow and pop out a couple babies and <laughs> keep a nice home, and like you've been a success. Um, that she had a different vision, and if yeah. if I was going to place her in a time period, man, I would have loved to see Jane Austen suffragette. Oh uh, yeah, she she was bucking the system, and she wasn't just like out yelling in people's faces this is right. wrong do it differently she was channeling it into a story and that's why stories are powerful because they they teach a message and all those books got into girls hands all over the world and men's hands and they could see like oh uh, the, there is a different way there is yeah. a different mindset um and uh i, I find that really inspiring i I hope that there are, and I know that there are authors like that for my girls today that, you know, we live in a much more accepting world mm. um, than the Jane Austen time period uh, or the Regency era, but there's definitely still a lot more to room change oh, yeah. room to and grow. to grow. Absolutely. And um, 
I can't wait to look back someday and and <laughs> hear my girls say like this is who who was inspiring to them. Yeah. So cool. Becca. I think it's just a, a lot of the same things Megan talked about. She <clears throat> she she knew what she wanted to do. Yeah. Dis, despite all the odds being against her, she made it happen. Sure. And you know she didn't back down. She was feisty. <laughs> As we were talking about that letter, you know, she's obviously feisty and she's mm-hmm. willing to fight for what she wanted and yeah. make hard decisions in life whether it's turning down marriage which would have helped in so many different areas what was expected of her she she chose against that and yeah did her thing when did yeah. when did Jane Austen become your favorite author it was i watched the 1995 miniseries of pride and prejudice right and i like became obsessed with it and i read it Mm-hmm. And then I just kept reading all the books, at, mm-hmm. one after another. So, and that was probably <clears throat> it. Probably wasn't when it just came out. It was probably like two thousand. Oh, okay. By the so I was about like eleven. Yeah. Or so, and you grasped these things as an eleven-year-old. I mean, I'm not going to say I grasped everything, yeah. but and, I and that's I, the I, thing. I had to read it slow because <laughs> the way she writes is so. I was about to it's say smart and witty and the first time you made me watch Pride and Prejudice, you le- legitimately, literally had to pause it and explain what they were saying yeah. to me. It, it was like, <laughs> and I remember at one point they were all sitting at the at the dinner table talking about something, and they all talked about stuff. And I remember the scene going by and thinking, I have. <laughs> literally no idea what they just said and I, I mean i'm i like dialogue i like listening to people talk i like funny voices but there was like there it was so weird to listen to people speak english and literally have no idea what's being said mm-hmm. and rebecca saw that glazed look on my eyes and yep. paused it and went did you understand? I was like, no. <laughs> Which is funny because he's the one who usually has to do that with like. Inception. Like, I had Inception. To do it, yeah. he, that's a good example. Yeah. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> or we finish watching it and he's like, did you understand the ending? And I would be like, no. <laughs> but then ironically, as we watched it a couple more times, she picks out things that I didn't even see. So. Yeah. And and so now like I can watch those. I can I can follow along perfectly fine. It's a matter of just getting used to that high yeah. language that she yeah, uses. Yeah, people even for back then it was harder for people to read her writing. Yeah. She wrote very smart and witty. And I don't mean witty in like ha ha ha. I mean witty in like the smart clever right. kind of way. Right. So. Yeah. Um what's your I mean I know yours. Your favorite uh, Jane Austen movie is the 1995 Pride and Prejudice. It's a miniseries. It's Whatever. not a movie. Uh, Megan? Oh, I have a very unpopular I don't opinion think... in the Jane Knight circles. Kira Knightley? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't. That's not that unpopular. A lot of people like it. That he's if my I, Mr. Darcy. So. If I had never seen the miniseries... <laughs> I would have liked it a lot more. And, and I, I had seen the miniseries. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's just 
after reading the book, I want more. I want more story. I want yeah. more. Yeah. And, and an hour and, and a half he, doesn't he is a, He's a good Darcy. I don't really like her as Elizabeth. Okay. Like the, the Elizabeth from the 1995 miniseries, which, by the way, she's amazing because she's American. If you guys didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knew because she did a great job. Yeah, she did a great job. She is like, she looks just out of the time. And I like the Kira Knightley. She could have been like a painting to me. I wish they could have taken, though, and I could have done away with any of the other, except for the father. I like the father and the Kira Knightley version. Mm -hmm. If they could have taken those three characters and put them in the miniseries, Mm -hmm. or those three actors, I would have been happy. I like the dad from the miniseries, though. I like him. He's like... So, I like the... I think my favorite is Northanger Abbey. Oh, the movie? The, We're talking yeah, movies. Yeah, what now, number yeah. or what year did that one come out? That was probably early like 2007, I think. Yeah. Is that and it's only really because of the guy that plays. Oh, he's so funny. It's uh, great. Is it Til- Tilsney? Tilsney? Tilney. Tilney. He does such a good job to the point oh, where I realize that I like him more than Mr. Knightley. That's because you like men of comedy and he's more. Yeah. He's more funny. <laughs> yeah. You like have you have you seen comedy. that have you seen that movie a very long time ago i'm i'm not as good with the the movies yeah mm-hmm. or the tv shows i'd recommend it i also really like any version of emma that i've seen yeah i i just i'll eat up any version of jane austen anything <laughs> yeah. that i can get so. i did just see the new <clears throat> emma movie that was, yeah, it was really good really enjoyed that yeah, i really liked it yeah uh, and then i've seen two i've seen the mini series of sense and sensibility in the movie Mm-hmm. I like the miniseries more. The one, uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Blonde girl. I have no idea. No idea. Not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to yeah. think of it. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to end this possibly two episode series. Uh, I might be releasing them like Monday, Thursday just to <laughs> do that. Uh, so if our listeners are sticking around, thank you so much. We're going to ask some, I'm going to ask some weird questions, oh, no. just questions that I don't know, went through my head while I was listening to this audiobook. Um, which Jane Austen man am I? If oh, you, I if, feel like your wife should answer that question. Becca, which Jane Austen man am I? And if you say Mr. Collins, I will leave. <laughs> <laughs> and not Mr. Elton either. You can't tell her which ones you're not. I'm not saying. Oh, I, which one am I? Except, except not this one, not except, this one, or this one, or this one. <laughs> you have to ask the question then. Just let her answer. Yeah. All right. Fine. I don't know. I just think of, so you're not Mr. Darcy, but. Obviously. But wasn't that kind of like what happened with us? Where like. You. Like, I asked you out yeah. and you said no. And then I had uh-huh. to like earn your love. Yeah. Aww. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. Uh, but who are you like? Would I be, I, I, I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of a hard question. They all have some pretty good stuff. I'm just just wondering, if, you know, you, you st- when I first met you, you and Joel said, your cousin Joel, would say that I was Mr. Bingley. And I <laughs> yeah. don't like that because he's always so like, ooh, oh, Mr. He, Bingley. He's just a happy person. No, he's just, sure. He's, he's happy. And that's I a am good, looking that's for a, a very thing. specific answer here. Um. This is a trick question. This Rebecca. is not a Be trick careful. question. I'm Who just saying there is a correct. Yes. Which one do you think I want to be? That's a better question. Okay. I think you're Willoughby. Okay. 
All right. I don't know. This is too much pressure. (laughs) I just said who I like the most. Tillsmany. Tillney? He wants to be the comic relief guy. Yeah, he does. He is the comedic relief. He is funny and wise, and he's the best. He's the best. Sure. Tillney. (laughs) Would Jane Austen like anime? If Jane Austen was oh. alive today, do you think she'd enjoy anime? Also I not a question for me. Don't think so. You think it'd be too ridiculous for I her? I think she might be too, like, I don't know. Take her out of the Regency era. Take all of that cultural I, Regency era I stuff am, out. I am, duh. We're talking about Jane Austen liking anime. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get weirder. I think she she would not. It's what I, I that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. It doesn't seem she seems more she seems smarter than not that you're stupid if you like anime. I like anime, so <laughs> I'm just gonna jump ahead of that. Um, <laughs> but that more like Monty Python kind of. Hmm. Oh, Ac- academic humor. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. What class of D&D do you think Jane Austen would oh play? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can't answer this <laughs> Did you? I have no did, idea. You got to give us something Megan can No, no, this is I, great. I this is all we'll get, we'll ha- We're, um, we're going to get to it. Trust me. Would she be? And not necessarily what she would be, but, like, what do you think she'd want to play as? If I, if I convince Jane Austen to play Dungeons & Dragons with us. This is the best. If I convinced Jane Austen to play Dungeons and Dragons with us, what would she want to play as? You think she'd be like a wizard, sorcerer? You think she'd be a bard, a ranger, fighter, barbarian? Maybe a bard. A rogue? Yeah, I was kind of thinking bard. Because she'd just spit some crazy ass limericks yeah, out. Yeah, she's witty, so yeah. she could come up with like lyrics. Yeah, okay. Jane Austen's a bard. All right. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Mr. Darcy and Mr. Knightley. Mm-hmm. Death match. Who would win? Darcy. Darcy. <laughs> How is this even a question? Why, though? No? Get past the quiet, okay. you sexy guy I, thing. I love Knightley, too. But Darcy. Darcy. Because those are the two big ones, right? Come on, Every, you- and everyone is like, Knightley... And Darcy. Nobody cares about Tillsman. Oh, I like. I pretty much like all of them in their own way, but those are probably my two favorite, and I like Tilney too. He's yeah, I just like Darcy. <laughs> Everybody knows though, Wentworth would be the winner ultimately. Oh, I always, I always, I don't know why I forget about persuasion, but then when I remember it, it's like my favorite because he's an actual soldier. Yeah, no, he's he, seen some shit. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, Mr. Like, Darcy will broody eye him to death. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Walk out in the fog. Yeah. <laughs> or jump in the pond. He'll make the other guy Colonel catch Brandon. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> Colonel Brandon, though. He, he's in the army, too. He's a too. very decent man. Yeah, but he'd kill straight Dar- up. Darcy. He'd cut a bitch. <laughs> 
Darcy is like, you know, the bad boy. But he's, <laughs> the bad boy. But he's not. He's the one you. No, everybody thinks Darcy. he's the bad yeah. boy, but there's nothing bad about him. But then you like. Pardent. I'm Mr. Darcy. Pardent. I guess that's more like. He's more like the misunderstood. Like, yeah. He's the like rebel. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Rebel without a cause. Yeah. He's James Dean. I mean, I don't want to be. But he never does anything. I don't want to be stereotypical and just say Darcy, but it's Darcy. (laughs) But it's Darcy forever. (laughs) Yeah. So you guys already kind of answered this one, but not really. It's a totally different question. Uh, Darcy. (laughs) For 800. If if Jane Austen was going to cosplay, what do you think she'd cosplay as? A suffragette. Uh, cl- <laughs> I'll say a uh, clergyman. Oh wait, a no. clergyman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she she liked to poke fun at clergymen. Yeah, yeah so, so she'd cosplay as like a parody. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. If we're Is talking there... about like you know of, you know of the time, what she knows, I would yeah. say clergyman. All right. My last question, and this is actually a, a real one. There's there's some people who say that this might have happened. I want to get your guys' views on it. Did Jane Austen ever do the nasty? she ever get down? Probably. You think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah? You think with um, LaFroy? Yeah. Yeah. Becca? I, I And you... I wonder if there were others that her family scrubbed out of the letters. <gasps> dun, dun, 3,000 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I had sex with him. <laughs> I had sex with him. And were they men? Ooh, that's a question. Twist. We always got to talk about sexuality on this show. <laughs> Was Jane Austen into dudes? I don't know. I've wondered. She did have a very close sister. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. You can like your sister and not be a lesbian. <laughs> what in the world? Oh my goodness. Uh, okay, but no, for real though, you you legitimately think that maybe she, at the very least, with Tom. It uh, crossed DeLong, my mind, but she writes. Long, uh, she writes a romantic man so well. Was she bisexual? I don't know. Mm. I mean, there's nothing out mm. there that says that. Sure. Or that hints at that really, except that she didn't get married. And maybe she just really was such a romantic that she never found the right man. Yeah, sure. back then, Every, back anything then I else think is speculation. There's, there's so much pressure to just get married. But if you wanted to marry for love, you, you maybe, you, you know, you don't get to be Lizzie and get to marry Find for money love. and yeah. love. Yeah. Yep. So did you, do you think that she had, had sex, Becca? Do you think that's something? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's obviously nobody's going to sit there and take notes and be like, well, Becca says she had sex, so. (laughs) I honestly, I don't know. Like, Like she had had a a quick affair, not sexual affair, but, you know, a quick little affair with Tom uh, LaFleur. Back then, not sex wasn't in your face as much. I think you could have an intimate relationship and it wouldn't necessarily... The first thing you do is sex. Sure. Maybe she removed her glove and touched <gasps> his Maybe hand. he saw her <gasps> ankle. No. <gasps> but, I don't. But, but I the, can't say and she I know, didn't. I know you, you deal with this a lot, Becca, where, like, they'll take 
uh, older authors, especially from like Regency era and, and stuff like that. And they'll take their books and when they make a movie or a miniseries, they'll add in sex mm-hmm. and sensuality. Yeah, they always to have it. to put sex in everything. Right. When it's, but to a me, lot it's of people, the... from what I was reading, a lot of people really find a lot of sensuality um, and, you know, under under layer sexuality in Jane Austen's books. Do you disagree with that? We're getting, like, really deep and weird in this, aren't we? (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's such a different time. Yeah. And Obviously, people were having sex back then. Well, yeah. They had ten kids. So, at least ten times. (laughs) At least ten. (laughs) But then you have have subplots of, like, Wickham and um, Lydia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where they run off together, obviously yeah, it, that kind of thing happened. Yeah, they're they're bunny humping hard. I think, but I think then, a lot of the time <laughs> it's this all about podcast trying, is taking a weird turn. I'm trying to break Megan. That's all I, I'm trying to do. Here. I think a lot of the time, women were more naive. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. that kind of thing. Mm. I mean, a lot of women didn't even know what sex was until they got married, and then. That's when their mother then talks to them and tells them what they need to expect. Like, uh, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. Just like when your when your husband comes, you're like, oh, tonight, by the way, this is going to happen to you. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. But you know how you've got what's going job. on down <laughs> there. Imagine it, literally the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think I don't know. I just, I I want to say with as much as she's written, how how well she's written relationships and a teeming um, I don't want to say sexuality or even sensuality, but a a teeming um, expectation for a lot of stuff in in her relationships, uh, for her in her books relationships. There's there that cannot have all come out of one two-month period when she was 20 years old you know what i, I mean think, like there she was known for being a flirt when she was young yeah, she, but she had, was you said she was like 12 so you, you guys pointed out that 12 year olds were getting married off all the time yeah but just because she thinks about it doesn't mean that she was acting yeah, it and out there's, sure. there's, I, look i'm not so saying she more... did i'm just saying it i it's amazing to me if she didn't ever have any sexual like experience in any way to be able to write love up to that point as well as she did it seems interesting to me see i mean i I didn't that's what i was gonna say i was reading the books when i was 11 i wasn't having sex (laughs) (laughs) i hope not (laughs) and it was and it was romantic to me yeah. Like yeah. every girl wants that guy. It's not about And I think to that, me it wasn't about the sex. It was like, mm. oh, he this guy loves her. He says these things. He's nice to her. It's, to me it wasn't about sex. I don't think you have to have had sex with someone to love them. And I think that's part of what part of part of that whole message that she had was that you know, to to rise above that and have some common sense and mm-hmm. sure. a more intimate a more intimate sense and sensibility. <laughs> and with that, I think we're going to close this episode out. Uh, I want to just thank you both so much for being here. And please don't ever make me do this again. <laughs> <laughs>
Becky, you did a great job. Somehow I don't know how to say no and keep ending I, up here, so yeah. you need to come along. <laughs> I, I'll just never listen to this because I we, don't want to hear my I'm, own voice. You guys put it in my head already. I'm going to bring you back for Little Women. I should probably participate. So my mom was a huge Little Women fan. She named me Meg mm-hmm. and my sister Beth, and I named my daughter Amy. So oh. that's kind of my mo- my book. Yeah. My movie, so. Okay. So, so we'll definitely have you on. And Megan can't be here unless you're here, Becca. Yes. So okay. them's the rules. I, I love Little Women. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I. However, I'm also not talking supposed- about sex and Little <laughs> yeah, Women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I'm going to bring it up. You I have, know. What a dude. Uh, no, I just talk about sex with everybody. I don't. It's not that I'm a dude. I just want to get to the bottom of things. That sounds weird. Oh um, <laughs> so, yes, and Megan. broke me. Megan, <laughs> thank you for being here and hanging out. Becca, I really appreciate you being here because I know how uncomfortable you are with doing stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, but I love you very much, and I'm very happy you came to hang out with us. Oh. Um, so, uh, quick um, standard outro stuff, you guys. Next episode, uh, well, depending on, I'm probably going to do two-part episodes of this, so this will be part one and part two. But after we do Jane Austen, we do... Uh, our next episode will be the collaboration episode that we did with Best Friends Playbook where we're talking about Handmaid's Tale. So get ready for that. It's super good. And God, it's just go check them out. If you haven't if you haven't checked them out yet, go check out Best Friends Playbook. They are a great podcast. Uh, really fun. Really interesting. Um, <clears throat> if you guys want to write to us your ideas, your views, your opinions, or even uh, flash fiction that you want to share with the world, we will read it on our show. You can send anything that you want to send to us to Lewis and Lovecraft at gmail.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us at fa- uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lewis and Lovecraft. You can uh, share pictures with us or mention us in stuff on Instagram and see pictures of us and all the fun stuff that we do at Lewis and Lovecraft. You can also just go to our website, lewisandlovecraft.com. Um, thank you as always always to our very good friend jake basson for the awesome intro and outro music he is the best uh like i said in our last episode i realized that he's done the intro music for every single podcast i've done so uh i really like him and you guys should too you can check out his stuff at soundcloud.com slash jake basson make sure you subscribe to our show because if you don't you will have to manually look for us and why do that when you have technology and the internet at your hands you can subscribe and let us know that you're listening to our show rate and review us on itunes apple Podcasts is 52 percent of our listeners so uh it would really help out if you went to apple Podcasts and left a very quick review you don't have to make it a long one rate us whatever you think we're worth one star two star five stars whatever and just tell us what you think let the world know facebook you can also do that there um so please please let people know and finally tell a friend about our show i brought my wife on the show specifically to prove that i have someone that i tell about my show (laughs) uh so you should have someone too if yeah megan yes and come see us, or come see me, and I'm going to try to drag Rebecca along on April 25th and 26th at the Jane Austen Teen Fair. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I totally forgot. Thank you so much for reminding me. Yeah, April 20... 25th and 26th in Aurora, Oregon is the yeah. Jane Austen Teen Fair. There's tea, there's a ball. Yeah. 
People are going to cosplay. And what were the conditions of me being on this podcast? I will be there dressed up as Mr. Knightley, Mr. Darcy, Mr. Tillsman. Mr. Collins. Mr. Collins. (laughs) What I'm going to (laughs) do is I'm going to shave all of my beard except for my mutton chops. And I'm going to wear a petticoat and probably break it because I'm really fat. And (laughs) some pants from that era and some boots and stuff that are i'm gonna dress up y'all and my wife will have to take pictures with me because she's forcing me to be there um and i'll be there selling books um and jane austen nerdy merch yeah Mm. um and And also feel free to just come check out the book nook in canby that's always a good move too um so with that we shall say good night good night (laughs) 